The paralysis that we have right now when we think about migration is partly because we can't imagine what the world would look like in the future. So I think it's important for writers and artists to try to imagine that. Mohsin Hamid. Chapter 3. The Donut That Broke the Beaver's Back. Christmas Day Deportation. Between January 2020 and September of 2021, we spent most of that time here in the United States. But during that time, my girlfriend and I were faced with an immigration dilemma after returning to the Canadian land border on Christmas Day 2020 to follow an immigration legal procedure called flag polling. If you're not familiar with the term flag polling in the context of an immigration process, it's when you leave the United States temporarily, re-enter Canada or Mexico if you're, if you're from there, so that when the immigration computer and records on the U.S. side show that you have exited the country back into your own. This, in theory, resets your immigration status in the U.S., which allows you to re-enter the United States again later, even minutes later. Flag polling is legal, but your admission and lawful re-entry into the United States, here's the catch, even if you were only outside of the country for a few minutes like we were, is at the discretion of the border officers, okay, the CBP agents. Two days before Christmas Day 2020, we left our home in Orange County, California, and drove one hour south to the U.S.-Mexican border. Due to our immigration status and the nature of our visa at the time, our immigration attorney correctly instructed us to drive our car to the U.S. side of the Mexico border, park it, and walk to the immigration building. He guided us upon arrival there to state our intent to U.S. immigration officers and request that they reset our immigration status by reissuing us a new what is called an I-94 number. An I-94 number is a string of digits that your U.S. immigration record generates every time you are admitted into the United States. That number tells you and other federal immigration officers whether you are within that lawful status or not. Earlier that year, we decided to extend our status, and in the United States, if you choose to extend your status while still legally in the country, you can request that the length of your stay be doubled. More on how to do this later in this book. When we arrive at the U.S. side of the U.S.-Mexican border a few miles east of San Diego, the immigration officer informed us that since our status was still valid, we had to exit the U.S., walk into Mexico, and then re-enter five minutes later. Thus, the whole journey would have taken us less than 15 minutes. But his advice came with a stern warning. He said, I strongly recommend that you drive to Canada and flagpole. That's 1,300 miles. So either do 15-minute walk or drive 1,300 miles. And then when you get to Canada, re-enter the United States from there, from your own country. Because right now, and remember, we were in the middle of a pandemic. Right now, you're 30 feet inside the U.S., but you are here lawfully. And I can assure you that if you go into Mexico and come back 10 minutes later, we will allow you in because you have the right documents, at least for that port of entry. However, since we are going through this pandemic, he said, we cannot guarantee that the Mexican immigration officers will stamp your passport so you can return to the U.S. There is a chance they might deport you back to Canada on the spot for just entering Mexico. Your reasons may not matter to them. Melissa and I looked at each other and knew that we would rather drive 1,300 miles back to the Canadian border and make a lovely Christmas road trip out of it than risk our physical freedom 300 feet away in Tijuana, Mexico. Two days later, we found ourselves effectively deported from the United States, so removed from the port, 
uh, for attempting to re-enter the country by land on the Canadian side in the middle of a global pandemic. Oops. Deported by accident. When we arrived at the U.S.-Canada border at 8 a.m. on that Christmas day, we were the only two people crossing that border. The only other humans present were the five Canadian border agents who looked at us like we were out of our minds trying to enter Canada to leave and go back into the United States, given the high pandemic numbers here at the time. On the Canadian side, I asked to be allowed to use the washroom, and two of the officers inside the building told me to push the bathroom door with my feet instead of my hands because they were paranoid that I was carrying the virus on my hands. Never mind that sanitizer was present every five feet and they saw me use it. This simple, fearful gesture on the Canadian border agent's part gave me a quick insight into the rest of the Canadian social psyche inside that country. Having been in California and safely gone about our business daily months into the pandemic, I found it almost eerie that Canada has such a low case count, yet everyone seemed frightened to death as if the sky was going to fall if someone touched the mere doorknob. Within three minutes of being admitted back into Canada, we were already back inside the U.S. at the port of entry, requesting, requesting to be admitted and be granted new status, a new I-94 number. After about 45 minutes of being questioned by several customs and immigration officers and our pickup truck uh, sniffed for contraband by a sweet old black Labrador, we were informed that our entry into the United States was denied. Now, that was so crushing. I, there's, there's, <laughs> we were speechless and tried to reason with the immigration officers because we were convinced and had an immigration attorney and the border agent at the border tell us that our documents were in order. However, the U.S. border agents at, at the Canadian land border refused to admit their denial of entry was misplaced, so we were forced to re-enter Canada. Upon re-entry to Canada, we were fortunate enough to find an Airbnb rental to do our 14-day mandatory quarantine. The Canadian border agents cannot legally prevent us from entering Canada since we both have Canadian passports and are both citizens but they did not allow us to physically leave their supervision or hand us back our passports until we showed them we had somewhere to quarantine. This was happening very fast. And to top it all off, our Canadian primary residence was actually in Ontario. And here we were randomly forced to quarantine back in Canada and British Columbia, while all of our belongings, except our laptop, and I would say about seven days worth of clothes were still over in Orange County, California. I cannot begin to tell you how frustrating and perplexing that entire situation was, but it did not feel nearly as intense as it sounds. It was super inconvenient, and a few months later, we did return to the U.S. legally. The donut that broke the beaver's back. We spent the first 14 days of our impromptu Canadian visit in quarantine. By day nine, I remember becoming frustrated that no government official or public health representative, not even a Canadian border agency officer, called us to see if we were still in quarantine. We had found ourselves in a 400-square-foot apartment in a house in Kitsilano in the city of Vancouver, but the silver lining in all of that was we had a front yard to ourselves. So we're actually, you know, to go off the script here, that was nice because a lot of people, when they were doing the quarantine, whenever they would travel, they were kind of stuck like, you know, 10, 20 stories up in the sky, and we actually had a whole front yard, and we had a backyard, so that was nice. Naturally... We didn't go hungry or lacked anything because Uber Eats and Instacart are actually really awesome in, in Vancouver. But we were both a little weirded out that we didn't get a knock on the door from any authority figure to see if we were still abiding by the quarantine rules. 
We spent the next four months living on a beautiful ocean property on Vancouver Island until April when the travel restrictions in British Columbia got even worse. Here we were back in Canada, our business and our belongings were back in California, and they announced in the media that people on Vancouver Island and Vancouver City would not be allowed to leave the area. Listen, preventing people from freely moving around, hmm, where have I experienced that before? To top it all off, the leader of Canada had made some comments a few weeks prior stating that if it wasn't for the rule of international law that Canada abides by, he would prevent people from even leaving the country. Those two things combined were enough for us to take our chances and leave Canada once again at the end of April of 2021. 